lot of contact. You would have known that coming in. How do you kind of approach a lineup like that? Uh, just go out there and throw strikes, try and get some early outs, you know, um, which I think I did a really good job of that, just trying to attack, throw, throw a lot of early strikes, and, you know, they, they, they got some, some good hits on, you know, some fastballs and things like that, but just continue to stick to the plan and attack the zone. And, um, balls in play, you know, early are good for me. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I was trying to mix in that slider in there and uh, the changeup as well. Just, just couldn't get it up, you know. And, and I'm, I'm fine with that because the alternative is, is two up, and then bad things happen. So uh, I'll take some dirt ball changeups and we'll work on it for for the next one. It's Alec Manoa speaking after. Last night's 7-0 win for the Blue Jays over the Kansas City Royals. My God, the Royals suck. <laughs> they truly do. Welcome to the show, everybody. They truly <laughs> stink. Uh, they're not good. They're a tough watch. Oh, God. I text you and ask you how Dayton Moore still has a job, and you laughed at me. Or uh, you, yell, you yelled at me. I mean, uh, the, you know, they, they're, they're plan, their they're plan, which is approved they, by... By by ownership, has been to uh, build through the Stank farm for system. the last seven years. Uh, That's your plan, like you know. I, I, I guess yeah, it's amazing what happens when you go to a World Series. It does tend to give you a certain amount of of. Uh, oh, that's of a long leeway. leash. Well, that's a long. One. Yeah, it is. That's a long leash. It is, but Man. you know, uh, we've talked about this. I mean, front office executives just don't get fired as much as they used to. They really don't. Yeah, uh, owners don't tend not to operate as emotionally as they have in the past. So anyhow, seven, nothing for the blue Jays, uh, Alec Manoa, six innings pitch, six hits, three walks, four strikeouts. Um, not the best we've seen Alec Manoa to say the least, not to pour cold water in anybody's enthusiasm Two swings and misses. Uh, he did get that, that front hip two seamer to left-handed batters. That's been a point of emphasis. That was effective. Though it's hard to tell because he was facing some, just some really bad hitters. But Kevin, again, you know, we heard Alec Manoa talk about it. He's the next step for him. I think everybody agrees is to be more consistent with his changeup. He didn't really think he had his best slider last night as well. Yet, yet he got the job done. Again, it gets back to what you started the show with. What did you say about the Kansas City Royals? Uh, that's exactly sort of what this was. You know, you you sort of break it down whenever he starts. The first thing you look at is what he did against lefties. Uh, they were four for twelve off him. That's that's not great. Those lefties that he faced last night aren't great hitters. Like it's, you know, to to listen to him talk there, you can you can tell he was trying to give a a, a heartfelt answer, but not tell you everything. Right, and, and that's sort of what the good ones do. Like you, he he knew that he didn't have his best stuff because you, you figure you watch you watch that game. You can see uh, second inning uh, Santana had some atrocious base running. You watch big you watch big league games, mm-hmm. Jeff. The base running is not good. Like it's just it's just not. Like I, and it makes me sometimes scratch my head on a on a ball that's right in front of you with less than two outs. Where are you going? Like like it's like Alejandro Kirk, the line drive to shortstop. Where are you going? Take a homer, score you from second. Where are you going? I just don't understand that. Where are you going? Stand still, go station to station. It's not It's not hard baseball. That's baseball 101, but when you're hitting 330, but I think maybe a lot of it too comes from the fact that just the, 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 way, the, the way the game is played now, it's just it's, it's not a point of emphasis. You I spend be, more time worrying about launch angles want, and things like that than you do about figuring, well, out, figuring out 
what you're supposed to that's do. That's well base. said. But you want to win a World Series. Sometimes that's how you do it, right? You you, yeah. you don't you know run off the bases when you're not supposed to. Uh, Alec Manoa was uh, look. I, this is sort of what makes him special. For me, when I was watching, he didn't have his good stuff. Like fastball command wasn't there. He threw some balls down the middle. Uh, with the bases loaded, he got away with a, with mm-hmm. a four-seamer that was right down the middle. The slider really wasn't there. Out of the hand, it was non-competitive a bunch of times. Uh, the two-seamer, that's a nice pitch for him. Like, that will get lefties off of diving away. That'll get them off the slider, the backdoor slider. I know he threw one. I think he got a, a strike three looking. That was more the 12-6 version. You know, that's moving the finger around, the thumb around, putting more pressure on it to get it to move 12-6 instead of that, what is that, one to seven Two to two to eight, sort of, you know, depending on how where his arm slots at and how much he really gets the finish out there. So he can do a bunch of things with the slider. He didn't have it yesterday. You mentioned the two swing and misses. Look, if he wanted to have swing and misses, he would have needed it because yesterday you look, uh, Bo uh, made that double play, the nice jump that he had. Mm-hmm. I told you about the Santana <laughs> base running in the second inning. Vladdy turned a nice double play uh, in the third inning. That's a very hard throw. When you're a first baseman, especially if you're a right-handed thrower, you turn your back to your target. That's a very hard throw. He made it look easy by the worry he threw it from right. He was just trying to flip it over there. And then Bo making that throw after he received it on the on the run and trying to get it away from the runner diving mm-hmm. back into first. That's elite stuff like that. I know that gets overlooked, and it's just like every big leader should be able to do that. No. <laughs> That's elite stuff. So that, that was a pretty cool double play. And then in the fifth inning, it got out of first and second, one out. Traffic was all the time, is my mm-hmm. point here, against a really bad team. And these are little, just little things. Again, this gets back to how good he is. Like, he can have outings that look like this, and then obviously he had the bases loaded in the sixth inning where he got away with the heater right down the middle, which yeah, against to, good uh, teams. To, Is- to Isbell. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, not a very good hitter. I mean, he's left-handed, but <laughs> but he's not, <laughs> not a very good hitter. So it gets back to, you know, you can do this, and you can get away with mistakes against teams like Kansas City, and he knows. It's like he's a really good pitcher, and this is what he does, right? Even though he doesn't have his good stuff, he doesn't have one of his better pitches, he can still go out there and compete and give you your team a chance to win, and that's exactly what it did. And it's what makes him special is the way he's been able to make adjustments in-game, right? If I'm not getting the finish, and you can see him on the mound, he walks around the mound. When he's rubbing up the ball, he's just not doing that to try to intimidate people or waste time. He's doing it because he's thinking about something. Okay, why 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 didn't it break the way I wanted it to break? Can I throw that again? The, the, you know, if I threw a fastball, what did his bat speed look like? He's trying to read barrels. So all the things that go into being a really good pitcher, he's trying to figure it out out at the big league level, and that's that takes a good pitcher to a whole different level and makes him a great pitcher, and that's sort of what he's turning into. The uh, Jays go for the sweep this afternoon at two ten on Sportsnet five ninety. The fan on Sportsnet, you say Kikuchi against Brady. Singer, the Jays are eight and two in their last ten, and they're seven back of the Yankees, <laughs> who continue to keep rolling. That's great. <clears throat> and uh, there is a Jay, the Jays series against the Yankees coming up. When in a couple of weeks, uh, uh, be be fairly uh, intriguing, isn't it? I think it's Baltimore and the Jays, the next homestand, or Baltimore and the Yankees, if I'm not mistaken. That'd be June, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's so, absolutely uh, that would be Friday, June seventeenth. Yankees yeah. at home. Yeah, three games. So uh, that'll be. That'll be something to uh, to look forward to. Dan Schulman joins us in a few minutes. He is, of course, voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet. Bill Shake, a national baseball writer with the L.A. Times, will be along. Joe Madden 
fired yesterday. Love the fact that Joe Madden did an interview with The Athletic about two and a half minutes after his firing was announced. And uh, Jeff Montgomery Royals pre- and post-game analyst will join us. He's a former closer. We'll talk to him about the importance of swing and miss stuff in the bullpen as, uh, as, as we continue to sort of poke our way through uh, the Blue Jays and the Royals. The, I guess you'd call it the middle of the order, not, the, not necessarily the middle of the order, but five, six, seven were really good for the Jays last night. Santiago Espinal, three for four, two runs scored. Alejandro Kirk, four for five. With a run score, just single here, single here, single here, single here. Uh, Bo Bichette, another three-game walk, two for two with a run and an RBI. Uh, Vladdy, unfortunately, hit into a couple of double plays after uh, after Bo, when Bo was on base in the first, I believe, the first and third inning to end the innings. But again, more than enough offense, more than enough offense, Kevin, to get the job done. And Alejandro Kirk continuing to hit. On the day that we find out that Danny Jansen has gone on the IL with a fractured fifth metacarpal um, at the base of his pinky finger. It was interesting. Dan Schulman uh, spoke to Danny Jansen before the game yesterday about the injury. And apparently Danny had a, I don't know if it was on his, his, his iPhone. I think it was on his iPhone. But he, he had a similar injury in 2015 when he was in the minors. And he was showing Dan the imaging of the injury. And at that time, he had a plate and a screw put in to the area where the where he was hit, uh, where he was hit on on uh, on Monday, and he was sort of suggesting to Dan that perhaps that screw and plate may have may have saved further damage. But in his absence, Alejandro Kirk is not only your DH; he's your number one catcher right now. They brought up Zach Collins, and of course, we'll talk to Danny about this in a few minutes. Now the focus shifts to Gabrielle Moreno. Um, when Danny Jansen was first hurt, I don't... When, when he went out with the oblique injury, it was much too early in the year to bring Moreno up. He just started playing. He'd missed camp because of visa issues. I don't think anybody who really followed the team thought there was even a 0.000% chance mm-hmm. that Gabrielle Moreno would get called up then. Now it's June 8th. Uh, the team is in a playoff spot. You want Alejandro Kirk's bat in the lineup every day, either as a DH or a catcher. Zach Collins, well, Zach Collins is a left-handed bat. And he's a left-handed bat that's caught some of these starting pitchers. I've got to ask you, Kevin, if you're the Jays, like I got my own thoughts on this, but if Uh you're the Jays, are you thinking at all about bringing up Gabriel Moreno, who, Mm -hmm. just to, to kind of get people caught up, on what he's done. The Jays have focused on getting him, getting him into a routine defensively, uh, preparing for games, et cetera, et cetera. But offensively, uh, he hit 380. He slashed 380, 443, 479 in 18 games in May. Um, overall, he's slashing 323, 377, 406 with nine extra base hits. So I'll ask you, Kevin. Uh, I, uh, you know, I'm looking at this situation right now, and they're winning. Sure. My default position here is, as much as I like, in, in a way, it's a good time to bring Moreno up because he's not coming up as the savior. The team's playing well. They're 11 games over 500. Mm-hmm. You're all the stuff you could say we're rewarding our top prospect for getting off to a hot start by bringing him up there. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can see that. 
But the other part of me looks at this year, 11 games over 500. Starting pitching has done pretty well this year. He hasn't caught any of them. No. In the regular season. So how, how do you fall on this? Or spring, spring training. For me, I, I want Gabriel Moreno to, to continue doing what he's doing at AAA. And, and hopefully the Jays continue what they're doing. And if that means Alejandro Kirk and, and, and Zach Collins, I'm kind of fine with that right now. The, the first thing I would do is I would go to the, fir- the five starters and I would ask, are you okay throwing to, to a guy you've never thrown to before? That, that would be the fir- first thing. They're, they're trying to have some separation here between themselves as this team is right now in a playoff spot and the people that are chasing them. Plain and simple. This yep. is what you do. This isn't about that, development. Absolutely not. You're in that part of the schedule where you think you can get it down, get it singing, and start winning a bunch of games. I'm not talking about going seven and three. I'm talking about going eight and two, nine and one. That's yep. what you do to add separation. Right, and against is, Detroit and Baltimore. This is up. what they're trying to do a little bit of is is trying to add separation here. And look, I'm not going to act like I, I can come on here and, and tell you that. You know, he's doing this mechanically. I do know the the going to a knee is an issue. He's trying to figure out how to do that. That's a big deal here. Moreno, you're talking Absolutely about. trying to figure out, right, to steal the, steal the low strike. Uh, you know, can he do that at the big league level? And you got to ask yourself playing time. What, how much would you want him to play when you call him up? It's three days a week? Behind the, the, behind the plate, not DH. He's not a DH. Got one homer in AAA. I, that's he's. I don't know exactly what. Even if he would know how to DH, right? He's played what is he's got 30, 30 starts behind the plate. He's got thirty one games played behind the plate. He's got four DH games this year. He's not a DH. Not going to come here to DH. I wouldn't think. You got that role sorted for Kirk and then everybody else who needs a day off. And it's not a twenty two year old. So you got to figure. Do, would you have enough playing time for a twenty two year old to come here behind the plate? And catch four out of the five starters, three out of the five starters. And would those three out of the five or four out of the five feel comfortable enough for him to be calling the game? Or does this put a ton of pressure on John Snyder to always be able to tell him what finger to put down or what button push? And that's another thing. Pitch calm is a big deal when it yeah. comes to flow of the game and how you use it and how quickly you give it to that certain guy, to the guy standing on the mound. Now, I'm not saying this is rocket scientist, science and, you you know, this is unheard of and a guy that's 22 can't come up and learn these kind of things, but you are trying to add some separation here. So, for me, unless you have to call him up, I'm not calling him up yeah. until September. No, that, I, that's I, just me. I'm with you. Um, you have to tell me that calling him up <clears throat> makes the team Better. And he got to play. And he's got to play. Absolutely. Not the agent. And I know there are people out there saying, okay, Jeff, why not go with three catchers? Why not go with three catchers? Keep Zach Collins. Get rid of Bradley Zimmer. Well, the problem is that Bradley Zimmer is your best defensive option in center field other than George Springer. Mm-hmm. And we've already said, George Springer is not playing 140 games for you in center field, folks. He's not. He's just not. Maybe you get 80. Out of George Springer and I will say, and I will say the people that we've had on says that he needs more, more time. Than 80. More whatever than 80. It, whatever comes with the definition of more time behind the plate. He's got 248 and a third innings behind the plate yep. in AAA. What's that number have to be? That that I'm sure they're going off of that number. It's just body of work. Is 248 enough? Yeah, everything we hear about enough? him. Is 270 enough? Is 320 enough? That's the point here is, is there yeah, a number that they're I shooting don't. for before they actually think about calling him up? For me, there has to be a number. Like, you you want to give the guy experience. You want to give the guy experience so that when he gets here, he's already been through those things. He understands how to do it and get past it. And I wouldn't call him up. It's just me. 
Dan Schulman is the voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet. He will have the call of this afternoon's series finale. What would Dan Schulman do? We'll find out. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Got a pair of tickets here to give away to see the Jays and Orioles on Wednesday, June 15th at the Rogers Center. We'll do that just before the top of the hour. Bill Shaken, national baseball writer with the LA Times, joins us. Joe Madden fired following 12 straight losses. And uh, Jeff Montgomery, the Royals pre- and post-game host, former closer in 304 career saves, three-time All-Star. Ooh. He'll join us at uh, 1120, 5, someplace in that area. And we'll get his take. Well, it'll be interesting to see what he thinks about about Alec Manoa after uh, after what he saw after what he saw last night. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And uh, DMs are open for Barker's back leg bits at the end of the show. That's where we let you ask questions of Kevin Barker. Dan Schulman will have the call of the game this afternoon on Sportsnet. He's in Kansas City, and he joins us on Blair and Barker. Good morning, Mister Schulman. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Doing very well. And we are debating, and the debate continued. Well, it wasn't really a debate because Barker and I are on the same page when it comes to Gabriel Moreno. Oh, but I know. That rarely happens. It rarely happens. But given, <laughs> given the fact that Danny Jansen is on the IL now, um, how do you see the Jays playing this? Zach Collins is up. Alejandro Kirk is here. He's hitting up a storm. You want that bat in the lineup every day. It's easier to keep that bat in the lineup every day when Danny Jansen is catching three of five games. Can you do that with Zach Collins or Dan? Are we moving towards a point where perhaps the Jays have to, have to bring Gabriel Moreno up? Well, let me ask you first. You guys were on the same page. You said which side, which page were you on? I leave him down there. Me um, too. I'm 11 okay. over 500. I want him to do yep. do what he's got to do Call in AAA. Call September. Yeah. So I think this is kind of a two or three step process. Um, just because they called Collins up now doesn't mean things couldn't change again. In effect, the Zach Collins call-up is for today. Um, you know, the information, remember they took an x-ray, some, you know, like a rapid x-ray in the dugout, and then they took another one after the game two nights ago, didn't show anything. It was only the next morning when they got a CT scan and showed the fracture. But they had to make plans in the moment, you, mm-hmm. you know, you got to get a guy from Buffalo to Kansas City, which is not the easiest thing to do in the in the world mm-hmm. right now. So, um, so I think what they did with Collins was, you know, they know Zach Collins. Just get him here for the two days, and then they can have another discussion. And I would imagine tonight or tomorrow they'll have another discussion. But the sense I got, and because Ross said this a couple of times yesterday, was we'll have a much better idea after ten days about the severity of the injury. Mm-hmm. If after 10 days they say it's only another week, I don't think they bring Reno up. If, if you hope this isn't the case, after 10 days it's like, well, this is going to be another month or another six weeks, and I, again, I don't think that's the case, then maybe they make a different decision. But, uh, but I'm with you. I don't think Zach Collins is going to catch three out of five. I think Kirk will catch three out of five and maybe DH one of the others. So you're still going to play him four out of five, but I, I think they're going to ride this out for 10 days, see how Collins does, see what the severity of Jansen's injury is, 
And you know, the other thing I think is that is happening behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I bet Moreno is going to be going in for a little, uh, you know, extra tutorials in Buffalo about, listen, if you get called up, here's how it's going to go. Here's what you need to know. Here's your daily routine. We know they started that with him back in the spring. And I bet you he'll be uh, at the ballpark extra early in Buffalo the next day. Dan, I, I wonder what they have to see from Moreno to, to feel comfortable enough to call him up. I, I would think the only way you'd call him up if, if he can play. Like like if he has playing time. Like he's 22 years yeah. old. He's not. They're not going to call him up here to DH. They're not going to call him up here no. to sit on the bench for three or four days and then come off the bench and try and, I don't know, get you say could coochie through a game like you know you, you're not going to be able to do that so until they can actually have that happen i just don't understand how this is even a conversation i am, am i off here or just uh, this? no 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 i i agree with you i think and, and again the decision they made yesterday is not binding for the next four months right you can always change sure. so yeah um but i think let's say they called him up instead of collins um he probably catches two out of five, maybe even more, you know, a 50-50 split mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I don't think he's DHing on the days he's not catching, whereas we know Kirk will uh, or has and will. Um, you're right. They're not going to call him up to catch one out of every five or twice a week. That's detrimental to his development. The other side of the coin, though, is this is an all-in kind of season for this team. And if 10 days from now uh, the front office says – this guy can help us more than that guy. That, I, in my mind, has some weight to it. And I don't know if that's the case. Like, I, I do know the Blue Jays feel Zach Collins is better defensively than they thought he was before they made the trade. We've also seen Zach Collins very hot, and we've seen Zach Collins very cold. So some of this may depend on how Zach Collins swings the bat over the next 10 days. If it's, if it's the guy who was on a tear for a while, you know, that buys them some extra time. But I, I'm sure there will be a lot of conversations going on in Detroit on the off day tomorrow, you know, on the plane, on the way to Detroit, whatever. Ross Atkins is on the trip, and, and I'm sure a lot of people are talking about this. But, uh, you know, they can pivot, and they can make a change at any point if they want to. I got I to gotta say this. Every time I listen to you to you talk whenever Alejandro Kirk's up and he gets a hit, and you're like, ah, you know, it's just it's like Groundhog Day. Every time we see yeah, him ho-hum. walk. Well, I yeah, said we, ho-hum uh, last yeah, yeah, we see him walk to the plate. <laughs> gets a hit but i gotta be honest with you this surprises me a little i i knew he had bat to ball skills and every time you talk to a coach they're like man wait till you see this guy he, he can hit every ball basically where he wants to hit it line to line but does this guy surprise you what he's doing at the plate where he's at in the lineup how they move him around what they ask him to do he's dh and is this yep. surprise you at all Sure. I mean, he's 23 and he never played double A or triple A, yeah. right? I mean, he skipped, he skipped two levels. He came up from the alt site as a 21-year-old right. and held his own. Held his own, right? And, and um, he's come a long way defensively. I think we would all agree on that. Uh, I keep asking people about him because, as you guys know, uh, Alejandro is not, um, you know, he's a, he's a super nice guy, but it's not like he wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I'd like to talk to the media when I get mm-hmm. to the ballpark, right? He's kind of, he's got to do his own thing. Um, it, sure, it is surprising. I mean, he's 23. He skipped a couple of levels of the minors. You know, last night was the first time, Kevin, where you could say, hey, he got a little lucky. Like, he didn't hit all of those bar- balls hard last night, but generally he's been squaring the balls up like crazy. And And I think part of it is, He's just a low heartbeat, kind of confident, cool cat kind of guy. He really is. Like, you guys have seen him walk around. He, he's he's just being Alejandro Kirk, right? And, and um, there's something about the way he's wired that I think has allowed him to succeed.
succeed. And but obviously the talent is there too. When your your swing and miss rate is nine percent, or your strikeout rate is you know he's among the best in baseball in contact rate and strikeout rate. And he looks. I've said this on the air. He looks to me like he could close his eyes and hit a line drive up the middle. I mean he's just got incredible hand-eye coordination. It's it's the cool thing. One of the many cool things about baseball is is good players come at all different shapes and sizes and and. It's not just speed and strength that makes you a great baseball player, and he's got a lot of the other things going. Uh, for Dan, him. you know, you notice uh, whenever they they fire managers, and and you hear people talk about why they fired him and when they fired him, what part of the schedule they fired him. Basically, you want that next manager to have success, right? That that team is lesser than your team, right? You're facing a team that's below 500. And that Moreno thing, whenever you drop the line there, I just happened to poke down and or look down and see the schedule. And I see the schedule that the Blue Jays are having from about, what is it, 17th of June on till all the way till July the 4th, right? You're getting New York, the White Sox, Milwaukee, Boston, and Tampa Bay. Sort of not the easiest games for a young guy to come up and have to catch and, and try to get some hits. Am I onto something there or am I overthinking it? Yeah, no, you might be. I, it's hard for me to know if, if it's overthinking or you're onto something. Again, I, I just think that in the moment they made the, you know, let's make the simple decision now for two days. And then we can have another yeah. meeting about it. Or let's see how Jansen feels in 10 days. And then we can have another meeting about it. So, um, you know, to, to because you knew Kirk was going to catch last night. So, again, all they've committed to is Zach Collins is catching today. And, and I, I don't mean to knock Zach Collins. I'm not saying he's going to be back on a plane to Buffalo after this game tonight. But I think they just made the, you know, the, the simple, the, the decision of least resistance right now. And we all know, too. So here's what, like, the three of us and fans, we go on MILB.com or Baseball Red. Oh, he's hitting 330. Oh, he's thrown out 15 of 28. But there's more to development than just those numbers. Like, if we think back to 2019, and maybe Ross, if he could do it again, would choose his words a little bit differently. But Ross said, Vladimir Guerrero's not yet a major league player or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Remember before Vladdy came up. And he came up, and we saw a lot of things that we didn't know. The ground ball rate, the defense. Um, he was heavier, right? Like there were a lot of things that we don't know about the minor leagues. And, and I think sometimes a lot of people shortchange those on the in, not, a, not saying you or me or us or whatever, but just in general, shortchange the people on the inside who actually are watching these guys every day and filing reports and talking to coaches. And, and by all accounts, Moreno is terrific on many, many levels. He also, um, and I know you guys are on this side of it as well, but he's also relatively inexperienced. He's had maybe 50 AAA games, maybe 40 AAA games, I think, um, in his life. So, uh, you know, in, in my mind is Zach Collins catches today. Let's see what happens. Let's see what the severity of the Jansen injury is 10 days from now. Because even Danny said to me, I talked to him in the clubhouse, he said we'll know a lot more in 10 days. Exactly the same thing that Ross Atkins said. So, I think they're hoping it's relatively short term, but if they find out in 10 days, guys, it's going to be six weeks. I think maybe the decision changes, but if they find out in 10 days, it's only another week or two, you know, maybe they stick with the plan as it is right now. You mentioned that you had a chance to talk to Danny and I heard you, uh, I heard you uh, reference the conversation on the telecast as well. Um, I I mean, I was going to ask you how bummed is he It's kind of a silly question, but uh, I mean, look, this is a guy who can't, Catch a break, no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, he was having a terrific year. Uh, I mean, it was just things were just going so well for the Jays in terms of catching, 
his presence here, I've got to think, has had, has has helped Alejandro Kirk as well uh, in, in, in terms of his hitting. Not to take away from what Alejandro Kirk is doing, but it just it makes for a nice, nice working relationship. Um, but you also told a story about uh, seeing a, a imaging from an injury he had in 2015, similar. Could, yeah. you, could you tell us that? Because I found that fascinating. Yeah, he, so I, he was sitting in the clubhouse. I was walking through the clubhouse after being on the field. You have to go through the clubhouse to get up to the elevator, up to the press box. And there were only two guys in the clubhouse, Zach Collins and Danny Jansen. So I said, hey, Zach, welcome back. Good to see you. Then Danny was just sitting on the couch. And uh, so I kind of walked over and I just said, you know, I feel for you. Like, you deserve some good luck here. And Ross had mentioned in his media scrum, Ross Atkins had mentioned, that Danny had had a, a previous injury in the same area and that that actually might have helped him in, because there's a, I think he used the word a plate in his hand. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to confirm that with Danny and sat down with him and he took out his phone and he showed it to me. Hmm. And he's got, um, I, it, it is a plate. It looks like two long screws kind of connected, but I, I think it is a plate. And he said in 2015, he got hit on a swing. Uh, not a backswing, like kind of a catcher's interference thing, but the guy hit him so hard that he broke his broke the bone in his hand. And so he's got a plate in there forever, I guess. He's had it in seven years already. And I said, do you think that helped you? And he said, I, I think so. And Ross alluded to that as well. He said, I think it's stronger in there. It's more stable in there because of that plate. And that if I hadn't had that plate in my hand, that this injury might have been more serious. So, you know, if you're looking for the a little bit of optimism, you know, maybe the the, you know, the bad news he got seven years ago might have helped him in, uh, in this occasion. Dan, I can't believe I'm asking this question, but I'm going to anyway. How, how concerned do you think Kevin Gosman is with not getting as many swing and misses on the split finger? My guess would be not that concerned now, but significantly more concerned if it happens again. Um, I would imagine, and these are not, and so for people out there who know, these are not the questions that, uh, you know, Pete Walker and Kevin Gosman really want to open up about. If I walk sure. up to them and I say, mm-hmm. so what'd you find on the video? And, they, and <laughs> you know, they don't really want to talk about that no. stuff. It, it, uh, in my experience, anyways, like last year, we actually got some good information about Ross Stripling. Remember, he changed his windup in his hand position. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, he's been a different guy. We don't know if Gosman was tipping or if it was just a great game plan by, by the Twins and the Mariners a couple of starts earlier. Right now, my guess is he's not all that concerned. But there are going to be there's going to be a lot of focus and a lot of eyeballs on his next start in Detroit, as you guys know. If the exact same thing happens again, um, then I, I think it, it is more of a concern. But I would imagine that Pete and Matt Bushman and Kevin Gosman and all of the other guys who are uh, in this area that they are they are all looking frame by frame to see what they can find. And, it may be subtle. It may be too subtle for us to notice, but I would imagine that they'll kind of, you know, hone in on something over the next few days, and, and hopefully it's not an issue for yeah, Dan, I just wonder, he's been very vocal about he likes the elevated fastball, he likes the split finger down, and when he throws it, he don't want to throw it for a strike. If I'm a big league hitter, I don't have to be a good hitter. I can be a Kevin Barker, walk to the plate and go, hey, I'm going to look for the ball up. If the ball's down, I'm taking it. That's sort of me, what I'm seeing. It's real simple. Right at the tip of the pitching thing, that's for younger guys. That's for guys that are trying to do certain things and create things on the mound, and, and you're trying to make 
maybe create a couple of ticks harder on your on your velocity, you may do something different, like grip it a little tighter to try and throw it harder. He's been around too long. Just simplify. It's a real simple approach on the mound. I know you see it. It's real simple. I get it. I throw yeah. it. I get it. I throw it. So for me, it's not that. It's just that elevated and that low pitch is the split finger. And the question I'm going to have is, can he move the heater around? Can he throw the yep. fastball down? Can he throw it in? Can he throw it away? Can he elevate it? Can he do all quarters of the strike zone? That'll be the thing I'll be looking for. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I guess the uh, another extension of that is can he throw the splitter for a strike? Mm-hmm. For a, you know, a little bit higher. You don't want to throw it up at, you know, up at the belt or the thighs, but can you throw it at the knees instead of the ankles? And we've seen him do that in one game, but it's not something he does a lot. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure it's something he does intentionally. The fastball down is an interesting one to me because I remember his first five, six starts when he was just lights out. He would gain a called third strike on a fastball down. And I think that was by design. I, I think when he would get to two strikes, sometimes he would know the hitter's thinking splitter. He would know it. Yeah. And his fastball is up and out of the zone. But if he threw the fastball in the lower part of the strike zone, Sometimes they would just take it. They're not looking for it there. And you're by the team, and hitters tell me this, when you see something you're not expecting, you can register that. But can you register that into a minute to swing the ball? That's another story. So, he, you know, if he's trying to mess with their heads, he's got to throw the pitch in the strike zone. So I think he can throw the, stri- the fastball down if he wants to. But obviously a fastball splitter, guys, you well know, Kevin, mm-hmm. is generally a north and south kind of guy, yep. right? He's not an east and west kind of guy like some other pitchers are. Um, so it's interesting. It, it's it's look at video. Are you altering the game plan a little bit for him? I mean, he's not a team. He's a smart guy. He's been around a long time. He's had a lot of success. We know how good Eden Bush are and that sort of thing. And, and, but it, it is going to be very interesting because uh, I'm sure it was stunning for him. He had to go away from his signature pitch. He had to ditch it in the second inning of a start and basically bend his way for as long as he could with just a fastball the other day. Yep. Dan, really good of you to do this. Have a great call this afternoon, yeah. my friend. Great stuff. All Thanks, right. Dan. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Be Thanks. well. That's Dan Shulman, Blue Jays play-by-play voice on Sportsnet. And that is, uh, yeah, the, that next start for Kevin Gossman. Um, Dan's right. A lot of people are going to be are, 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 are going to be are going to be looking at it. I like I found that interesting about throwing throwing the splitter because Kevin Gossman has said that his splitter works best when it, he doesn't want it in the strike zone. Now you may, you may, at least according to what Dan and you were saying, you uh-huh. may want to at least every now and then sprinkle it in there so that the hitter, so that it's not an obvious okay, the take. First, uh, the, but I don't know how, I don't know, Kevin, I don't know how easy that the is. The first, uh, it's not. <laughs> you would think he starts it because of where the catcher sets up and where the catcher starts his glove. Now, the, the way you would relay something like that would be if a guy stand on second base and you want to start that thing a little, have the tunneling longer with your split finger to have it stay in the strike zone when a catcher catches it. You don't want it to be in the middle of the plate. You want it to be at the bottom of the strike zone. So you would have to start it differently. That catcher would have to give you a different target. If I'm a guy standing on second base and I see the target different, all of a sudden, now I'm relaying it that way. So, b- boy, you got to be – remember, the velocity on the heater is upwards of almost close to 100 miles an hour. It's not 88. Mm-hmm. It's 97, 98, 99. So what like you're it's saying, got some hair on it. So what you're use saying is that. The, the, the smarter option would be to try to, to try to use the fastball in different locations as opposed to trying to get two – Absolutely. Now, all of a sudden, maybe you're seeing four pitches. Maybe you see the changeup more 
with sync to it. Maybe you're starting to see the slider more. Maybe you're starting to see the fastball, which is a different pitch, mm -hmm. and you can add different ways of taking a little off of it. Now it's 92, 93. Maybe he's too seeming it because he is the guy that went to Manoa and said, use the front hip sinker, the two seamer. Maybe that's a, a pitch he uses more and he doesn't abuse the split finger. The league's made an adjustment. Now we'll see if he's good enough and smart enough to, 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 you know, combat that. And, and maybe he just totally goes away from it and does something different. Now it gives a team a different, look to it because now you know his next couple of starts will be against good teams so well, it's not, not going to be got detroit well not after that though after yeah. that if you look at the schedule now now it's the yankees and it's the you know it's the white Sox and it's milwaukee and it's boston and tampa bay he's going to get a couple of those yeah. teams who are real good teams are going to make him throw strikes so that that's this is why it's cat and mouse it, it's going to be fun to watch the a guy to see if he can mix it around change speeds sort of go outside the box of who he is he's an attack guy now it's can he attack and still get people out and go deeper in games? It'd be interesting to watch. Yeah, and it's it's not he doesn't have to completely overhaul himself for the rest of the year either. It can be simply be a matter of just doing this for a couple of games to kind of plant some seeds in people's mind and then go back to the way you're doing it. Sure. And then if they react to that, go back. Mm -hmm. Go back to this as well. But uh yeah, it it's uh, you know, again, this is this is the video age. This is the this is the age we're we're in with baseball. There are really no secrets. And when people talk about you have to make adjustments in game, I, I'm almost thinking, Kevin, it's more important to make adjustments in game now as opposed to between starts or something like that because there's enough video on you. Like you've got to, you've got to sort of make a couple of adjustments per game to try to, to, try to mess up people's what people are seeing. I, I, I was always told, and, and, and every pitching coach that I've ever been around, uh, when in doubt, take your time. And take your time means when I come set as a pitcher, hold it. Because a lot of the times is you do something, you do it in a hurry. Like I get it, I go. I get it, I go. Because you always, you're, you're getting that sign from that pitch calm and then you want to get it and go. If you just take your time, then it sort of gets that lull to, to, the, to the pitch and then sometimes you can get away with certain things. He's got good enough stuff. His fastball's good enough. He can locate, locate that good enough. It just can't be all the time up and in the middle of the plate, like the big part of the plate now, he's got to start living on the corners and maybe can throw some things down. It's a game of adjustments. He's a smart guy. He'll figure it out. Uh, it was an interesting discussion with Dan about Danny Jansen as well, wasn't it? And just the idea that let's wait and see for mm -hmm. 10 days and take a look at things then. And if it's a matter of Danny, Danny's only going to be out for another week after that, well, then I think you probably just stick with what you have right now. If it's longer term, look, if it's me... You know, if it's longer term, then maybe I'm trying to look at a, at bringing in a veteran guy. But but then I'm bringing. This is the thing. I had a I had a couple of people say this on social media. Well, why can't you go and try to add a veteran catcher? Well, you're still bringing a guy in who's going to have to learn the pitching staff. Now, yeah, he's a veteran. He's probably going to have a better idea of how to do it, and the learning curve might be a little faster. But you're still bringing a guy in. Like I. You know, I'm almost at the point now, and it's funny when, when, when uh, Tyler Heineman, Tyler Taylor Heineman, Taylor, when, when Taylor Heineman was was claimed on waivers, I had somebody in the organization say, you know, I'm not certain that's something we really wanted to see. Like, I don't know, you know, obviously things had to be done for option reasons, et cetera, et cetera. That made me wonder if 
Yeah, the, the you know there, there there's a value to having a guy like let's just say there's a value to having a guy like that in the organization. There is the the beauty of this almost is the 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 five guys that you have are aren't the hardest guys to catch. Ross Stripling is probably the hardest guy to think along with and subtract. Well, now that Ryu's out of the, the picture, yeah, yeah, it's it's even when Ryu's back here, he's almost a, a three pitch guy now. It's it's fastball sprinkled around all quadrants. Throw the changeup. Some of the time, not all the time, and try and get ahead with the breaking ball. He's a three pitch guy. He wasn't a five pitch guy anymore. So he wasn't the hardest guy to catch. That's why the veteran guy makes sense. And Moreno, don't blame him because the guy got hurt. Like that's the whole thing you got to be careful with. I want to see him too. I want to see what the all the talks about because I don't watch him on a, on an but I want basis. I want him up here when he's ready and when he can help. I don't well, want him up here because some just because someone else had the I misfortune want, of getting hurt. I want a twenty two year old up here when he can catch four days a week. Yeah. Catch catch four really good pitchers four times a week. If you can do that, then you call him up and you really think about that because of what's going on on your team. But right now, Alejandro Kirk has earned the right to be the guy. Now, what that is, can he go three days in a row? That's the big thing. You know, it's not going to be that night and day game thing like it is today, but can he go three night games in a row behind the plate? Will that hurt his offense? Because right now, his offense might be more important then it's catching. How dare I say that? Can I say mm-hmm. that? So it's good. This will be a, I don't think this is an easy fix. Can you agree with me there? Yeah. It's really not, I don't think. Um, let's, uh, and, and when you, uh, when you respond in the text line, please send along your name and location. I have a couple of people in text. People are this thing with Nathan Lucas and his stats in Buffalo. Why aren't they bringing him, bringing him up to the big team? I, I, I haven't seen him play. Um, he's got nice stats in Buffalo. He's two years or a year and a half younger than Bradley Zimmer. I've got to think that the Jays thinking is Bradley Zimmer's a better defender. I'm just not certain it's that complicated. Like right now, I need a guy who can play good defense in center field your number when f- George Springer's out of the lineup. I, your fifth, I just don't your, think it's your, that complicated. Your fifth outfielder will be a guy that will sit over there for three days in a row and come off and play great defense. Not good defense. Great defense in yeah. center field. If you think Lucas can do that, you call him up, you get rid of Zimmer. But right now, just by them not doing that, we'll tell you they don't think that right now. So that that's one of the things is being a bench guy is not the easiest thing to do. I don't care what your age is, unless you've actually went through it and trying to do it at the big league level with these guys, these pitches that you're facing, and you add the shift and you're trying to do it on both sides of the ball. You, you got you got to be real good at who you are mentally. And I just, you know, right now, they don't care what Zimmer hits. I mean, let's be honest. Clearly they don't because he ain't hitting squat. Look look how he looks when he walks to the plate and he puts a bat in his hand. He looks like he's never done it before. They don't care how that looks. They care about him catching balls in center and keeping that $150 million man healthy for September and October. That's the whole point here. Yeah, Yeah, I just, I'm not, I'm just not certain it's that big a mystery, folks. And... Uh, but Barker's right. You bring Nathan Lucas up, but he's not, he's not going to be an everyday guy. Can he help you off the bench? He's not going to be your first left-handed, your, your, your left-handed option off the bench as long as Toppy is here. I, I, I mean, and, and again, it's, it's about Bradley Zimmer's defense. You know, there have been games this year where Bradley Zimmer's made important defensive plays, but Jesus, we're talking about a guy who's like the, the last guy on guy the on roster the right now. I, that's, that's the, I don't, 
I, I mean, with all due respect, I, do people just not have anything else to, to complain about and they want to complain about the 26th guy? Well, they want an all-star. No, people, but fans are like, they want an all-star at every position. They look at a guy who isn't performing. They, here's the thing. The Yankees If you're not that. performing on a team of people who aren't performing, you're just another underperformer. If you are underperforming on a team of guys that are starting to perform, then you stick out. But I just keep telling people that the only reason Bradley Zimmer's here is to catch the ball and give you a little bit of speed in the base pass. That's all. Or, or decent base running. That's why he's here. And that's all you need from that guy on your roster. You don't need a 300 hitter at that spot in the roster. You need a guy that can you can basically forget about for three days and then say, Bradley, we need you to go in center field in a, uh, in a two-run game. We need you to go and play center field for us and catch a ball tonight. Bing. And you know that he's going to do that. Uh, we have a pair of tickets to give away to see the Jays and Orioles at the Rogers Center on Wednesday, June 15th. We're giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker. That's whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question, 590-590. Yesterday, we asked you, who was the first Oriole to hit 50 home runs in a season? I think we all would have got this. The answer was Brady Anderson. Not Brandy Anderson, as a couple of people send, send in. And I, I don't know. Maybe Brandy Anderson worked at Hooters or something like that. I don't know. But anyhow, it's Brady Anderson. Today's question to win tickets to the Jays Orioles down at the Rogers Center Hooters? on Wednesday, June 15th. On Wednesday, June 15th. You something else. Who did the Orioles defeat to win their first World Series? Okay. This is a little difficult. Who did the Orioles defeat to win their first World Series? Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590, and we will have more tickets to give away next week. Would you got that, Barker? Uh, no. Who did the Orioles defeat hey, to win I, their first World about Series? If I thought 590-590. Sure. Yeah, I would have. It, it would not have. My... First answer wouldn't have been that far off, but it wouldn't have been the right answer. But then I would have kind of I worked my way back and uh, and and come to it. <laughs> Jeff Montgomery is the Royals pre- and post-game analyst. He will join us. He had 304 saves as a reliever. We'll get his thoughts on Alec Manoa. Take a uh, we'll ask him what it is. we'll ask him about the Royals. Although after I've got to tell you, after two games of seeing the Royals, man, I'm like, you know what this is. Huh. Turn the page. You know what I'm we should ask to Jeff too that, that I'm going to ask is about bringing one if. Teams, if he's ever been through something like the Moreno, thing, yeah, sure. Whether bringing up a young guy matters on a contending team, you throw into that person late in the game, whether that matters or not. I have no idea. I've never thrown to one. DMs are open for Barker's back leg bits. My Twitter handle is SN Jeff Blair. And I mentioned 595 90s a text line. Joe Madden was fired yesterday by the LA Angels after 12 straight losses. Phil Nevin, your friend, Phil Nevin, took over as manager. Uh, the Red Sox beat them 6-5 in 10 innings, and Mike Trout left the game with groin tightness. So uh, stay hot. Of course he did. Stay hot. Stay hot, L.A. Angels. You know Nevin, don't you? Didn't you? I played, well, San Diego, I played, you know, he he wouldn't know me if he fell on me because I was only there for like two and a half weeks. And, you know, he he did his thing and I did my thing and it wasn't together. So, you know, it was, uh, he was a decent guy. I, I just remember his locker was super dirty. Like, it was just <laughs> like, you, you you imagine a dirty locker and you times that sucker by like 50. Like, there was like two-week-old food thrown in. It's like, it was like you had to walk by it like 
man, that's just that's the nastiest thing I have ever seen. It was a piece of work. Uh, yeah, but you know, it's funny how baseball works. You go from being like the worst third base coach. To <laughs> I manager. was gonna say, yeah, like, all, he was. was. He was basically run out <laughs> as the, the worst third that base coach of all time. And now you're managing Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and, and the team's lost a bazillion games in a row. What can go wrong? What can go wrong? Anyhow. Bill Shaken, the national baseball writer at the LA Times, will join us. Who had the cleanest locker you've ever seen? Kevin Barker! That's what I thought. <laughs> it's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast.